There are a number of commentators that suggest that maybe as small as a mustard seed was a bit of a saying, a bit of a common phrase used to describe the smallest unit of measurement. So here's Jesus saying, you've heard it said as small as a mustard seed. Well, let me tell you, the kingdom of God is like as small as a mustard seed. Something very seemingly insignificant. And it's designed to stand in contrast to what this small, insignificant object has the potential to become. A tree bigger than all the other vegetables under whose shade the birds can nest in. The contrast between its tiny beginning and its magnificent end is what is in view. Now, another interesting feature of the mustard plant is that some suggest it actually could be perhaps a little bit more like a noxious weed. You know, we've got things like that in their gardens that they just cannot get rid of. Sure, it's no <laughs> sure it's no gum tree. Like we're not, you know, we're not talking about the biggest possible tree that you could ever imagine. A mustard plant probably grows to about ten feet tall, so you know, taller than the average adult, but no giant tree for that matter. But it's sort of perhaps noteworthy that maybe once it's there, it's actually really hard to get rid of. Perhaps Jesus is not just talking about the size of this plant, but also how once it gets going, good luck getting rid of it. Which is an interesting idea to consider when you're considering the kingdom of God. That Jesus might not just be referring to its size, of which he does say it is bigger than all the vegetables but also the inability for it to be successfully removed once it's been sown. The kingdom of God is like a tiny seed that once sown grows to become big and an immovable part of the landscape, a tree that we can nest in and enjoy its shade and a plant with such staying power that there'll be no way to rid the landscape of it once it's there. So what about the yeast? In Matthew and Luke, Jesus goes on to, to couple the parable of the mustard seed with the parable of the yeast. Yeast is more invisible and more pervasive than anything we've seen so far. Yeast cannot be found or removed. Yeast is quite literally the magical ingredient in any dough recipe. As with the mustard seed, yeast is small and might be considered inconsequential, but as anyone making dough knows, it's crucial. Once it's been added, it can't be removed. You can't fish it out of the dough and separate it out. It is the very dough that it inhabits. Note also in this parable the scale of the baker. This is no wife at home making a lovely batch of sourdough for her husband. This woman is making about 27 kilos worth of dough. This is big batch, large scale cooking. She's making huge proportions of bread here and she's worked this tiny but effective substance through the whole thing. No part of this dough will remain unaffected by the yeast. 
There is no way to even consider the dough without the yeast once it's been worked through. And when the heat is on, the dough will rise because of its presence. But how does yeast work? Everyone love our little science experiment over here? Yeast works by kind of blowing up the dough. It literally eats the sugar and then breathes. And as it breathes, it creates pockets of air in the dough which makes it rise. Or in the case of our experiment, the balloon inflate. Isn't that an interesting image? It is by breath that the kingdom begins to take effect. Sound a little bit familiar? We hear of breath in our Bibles before. How does the Holy Spirit come? By breath. Let me read you this, this quote from Capone, who's the book that we've sort of all launched out of for this sermon series. He says, The whole kingdom of God operates by warm breath. It takes its origins from a father's breathed forth word, who, spoken once for all eternity, brings the world out of nothing into being. It marches through history under the guidance of a spirit, a ruach, a numa, a wind, a breath, who, proceeding from the father's speaking of the word, confirms that word with signs following and the imagery grows more and more complex. Jesus breathes out the Spirit upon his disciples after his resurrection. After he's ascended, he sends that same Spirit upon the church as a rushing, mighty wind. And finally, when the church goes forth to announce the leavening of the world by all this Trinitarian heavy breathing, it is yet by more warm breath even by hot hair, that the proclamation is made. For after the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? What shall I compare it to? The kingdom of God starts small. It has humble beginnings. But don't be deceived. Once it's present, it will bring its good, effective work to completion. It will permeate and invade every last inch of where it is, which is, in fact, everywhere. Across the entire landscape, no part of this world will be unaffected by the presence of the seed of the kingdom. No part of this world will remain flat and lumpy. The kingdom grows and breathes. Everything will rise with it. Everything flourishes because the kingdom is there. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can remove it. No one can stifle it. The kingdom has come. The seed has been planted. The yeast has been worked in. So what are we to do? I believe we are to wait. We are to watch. 
and it's a wonder. Planting and cooking are not two of my specialties in life, and there's probably a reason for that because I believe there's a common thread needed for both, and that's patience, of which I lack. To patient, planting and cooking requires that you wait. There's sort of very few shortcuts in those two endeavours. You can't put steroids in the soil and you can't just turn the oven up in the hope that it will just cook faster. You just have to wait. Both the seed and the food will do their thing and become ready when it's time. But in the waiting... There is a sense of joy as you watch. Has anyone watched a cake rise or dough rise in the oven? Has anyone watched plants sprout in their garden? I remember Beck a while ago putting some bulbs in her garden a few years ago. And I was over one day and she was showing me where she put the bulbs with zero evidence of such said seed in the ground, and she was telling me how months and months later they would shoot and what they would look like and when they would flower and what it would be like. And I was fascinated listening to this long sort of projection of what was going to happen in this seeming nothingness. And because I spent a bit of time in the next place, I did get to watch these bulbs shoot. From time to time she'd point out the little green sprouts that had come up we watched them grow and then they'd flower. And I saw how it completely transformed the landscape of her garden. And I kind of got an idea of what it was to watch something grow. Everything I plant is already out of the ground. I don't have enough patience to start with seeds. But this was incredible. From seeming nothingness came forth these beautiful flowers. Can we see? Shoots of the kingdom? Can we see the landscape rising and being affected by God's presence? Can we see how pervasive and effective God's kingdom can be? And as we wait, watching, do we also then allow ourselves to wonder, to be in awe? to feel joy, to sense peace, to nest in the shade or to break open that warm bread. To feel wonder is a childlike emotion. Wonder is to be amazed and surprised as if something was, as if we were seeing something for the very first time. It's interesting to consider that Jesus has also commented that those who come into the kingdom must be like children whose eyes are innocent and watchful, looking for every new piece that they haven't seen before. They approach the world with wonder. Most of us don't really give ourselves time to wonder, do we? Most of us are trudging through the daily grind of life, getting up early, making lunches, getting kids out the door, getting on the bus, commuting to work, 
then we just drag ourselves through the daily grind either because it's so tedious and boring or because it's so manic and stressful and all we're waiting for is to get to 7.30pm when we can turn on Netflix and just binge watch our way to bed that night only to start it all again the next day. How often does the work of God's kingdom like stop us in our tracks and make us go, wow, When we see goodness or beauty or truth and we just take 30 seconds to just marvel and revel in. The kingdom of God, Jesus tells us through his parables, is everywhere. Sometimes hidden, sometimes small, but it's there. And it's working. And it's going after and it's going to affect every part of your day and every aspect of our world. These parables remind us that our response is to wait. Be patient. Trust God is doing his good work. To watch. Be on the lookout for those shoots, the tiny glimpses of the kingdom. Keep an eye on places where God might be working in our life and in changing the landscape for good. And to wonder, to have eyes that see the effects of the kingdom and a heart that says, wow. To revel in God's good work, to appreciate the effectiveness of the kingdom of God sown into the ground or worked through a batch of God. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, the sower, the baker, may your kingdom continue to grow and breathe into this earth. Remind us this week of the places and ways that you are working. Give us the patience we need to let your seed grow and your yeast work. Give us the eyes to see the presence of your kingdom. Show us glimpses of how you are bringing about your good, beautiful and true world. Give us a childlike heart that is so easily wowed and wondered by the work you are doing. May we be in awe of the delight we can experience as your kingdom breaks in. And as a church, I pray that together we would wait well, watch closely and wonder often at how the people of H3O are part of your kingdom coming here in DY and across the Northern Beaches. Thank <laughs> you.